All right, welcome back to the Smoke and Mirrors podcast, your destination for the latest in movie news and reviews. We are your hosts, Rob, Dave, and Triz. How we living there, fellas? Yeah, good. Let's go, good man. Good, we're good. All right, so in this episode, we're going to take you through our reviews for Asteroid City, um, the newest episode of Lioness. Reservation Dogs will uh, throw you into the anime corner with uh, T Dog over there. Um, he's also going to give you the uh, his thoughts on uh, Me Three Gun Two <laughs> or the Meg Two, if you must. I starts doing that dance. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> <laughs> mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Ooh, so exciting, isn't it? Trust me. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Ferocious, aren't I? I'm trying to put Tiger Bomb on this jungle's nuts. Warm your eyes, Brick! Hey, motherfucker. You're not gonna die, you bitch. Dead or alive, you are coming with me. Now you wanna get nuts? Come on! You too! You're going to see some serious shit. Asteroid City. What'd you guys think? Uh, I didn't like it, man. I was bored to fucking tears with this movie. Uh, it, was a, it was a bit of a frustrating watch for me. I don't usually gravitate to Wes Anderson's um, shtick. He's got a style. He's got... Um, like a, a kind of trademark look and flow to, to what he kind of does. I feel like the style and the substance of this movie were all the way up, but they never molded and never kind of like gelled. Yeah. And because of the, I don't know, the sort of characters that he writes, I just didn't, wasn't feeling it that much. How about yeah. you guys? Um, it's not for me. I don't know. This movie is not for me. Like I never, I don't, I don't get that that type of humor. We understand what he's trying to say, or what we think he's trying to say. Um, but yeah, it just for me, it just doesn't doesn't hit. I fell asleep in the movie, and then I saw you like sit all the way forward because I knew you were trying to concentrate, and it just <laughs> like didn't work. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't for me this movie. I don't know, there's probably scores of people out there that's going to love this movie, but not yeah. not me. Yeah. For me, like, I think all the emotions they were trying to invoke with this movie just felt kind of flat. Um, and uh, the style of direction that Wes Anderson had for this, where it was a play that was a movie that's about a play, like, it was just too many moving fucking parts. And it annoyed me because it's a powerhouse of, like, cast in this movie as well. And none of them really got used to their full potential. And they were all very just like secondhand, just actors on, on screen. Like not to say their performance was shitty, but there just wasn't enough screen time with everyone that you got to really feel it. And some of the, uh, yeah, they were all acting very weird. Yeah. Like they were trying to act it like a play as well. And like, I get it. Like maybe that's how like the script is meant to be. But then as well as that, when it came to, well, what's this movie about? I think everyone's going to have different opinions on that too. Yeah. And that's like, there's no um, <clears throat> like top of the pyramid type thing where you can sort of divulge from that to have your other opinions. So I think yeah, that's I what was tough. I haven't like sort of dived into 
what it actually meant. Like I haven't looked into like the the Wes Anderson explains Asteroid City. You looked into articles from like Vulture or Complex or whatnot that explain the ending of Asteroid City or anything like that. It's only my interpretation of the movie that hmm. I'm sort of yeah bringing because I don't know. I I was trying to concentrate. But there's like this matter of fact way, like you were saying, the way that the actors were, were giving lines yeah. it was matter of fact. It was almost like you hire actors not to do their own style of something, but to do a Wes Anderson style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, f- I found that as well. I, I found that everyone had they were they were delivering the lines exactly the way that somebody else would. Yeah, like all the delivery was exactly the same. Yeah, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. Did it? That was the that was the the what's this place the um the flow of the conversation, yeah, yeah, which works in some like some sort of uh, conceits or concepts, yeah. Like it, it works in terms of Fantastic Mr. Fox. It works in terms of Grand Budapest Hotel, but it just it didn't flow in this yeah. because mm. we had people playing dual roles with the mm, play going yeah. on. And then flowing onto the character, there wasn't, um, there wasn't like a, a sort of a duality in those mm. performances. They were exactly the same. It was the context with which they were acting was different. Yeah, like yeah. I'm I'm an actor, or I'm I'm the sort of character in the in the play. Yeah, and I think for me, I would have preferred. Um, if they were going for that that play-esque type where it was very emotionless, I feel like Equilibrium did it a lot better with their actors when they were on the drug because they were very monotone there, but you could still see a lot of the shit they were trying to like portray with their words. Whereas this, it was just very, just one note and it felt flat the whole fucking time. Yeah, it was uh, const- constantly emotionless. Yeah. Delivery was emotionless. Like that shot of Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but you always be my baby. <laughs> Got the beef out there. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to beef. <laughs> Props to Scarjo though. I feel like she acted the same she does in every other movie. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> Uh, I think honestly, if she did less Marvel fare like she's doing now, she would be like a really like she started off a really like sort of great actor. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, did you guys want to get into the the theories? Hmm. Yeah, you've got a theory, Triz. I know you got a theory, uh, hmm. and I I got a theory of what the movie's about. Um, so maybe we can get into some spoilers just hmm. quickly. Yeah. Down, pause. <laughs> um, so my theory for the film about what this movie is about is processing grief. Um, and I take that from Jason Schwartzman's character and Edward Norton's character when they, they kiss in that scene. And then later on, Edward Norton passes away with the, the car collision and it comes up to the end scene <clears throat> and it's almost like Jason Schwartzman's character is... Um, trying to get closure with the play character losing his wife and how to sort of get over that emotion. 
so that's what I that's what I thought the mm. whole thing about this was. So the art imitating life, or life imitating art, or yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Just overall overall um, study on grief and the and the different stages of grief. Um, you can see that from the start. He he he's in that denial stage already, right? Denial stage that that something didn't happen. Um, and, um, that's why he wouldn't tell his kids. And he waited three weeks to tell his kids that, that their mother had died, which is wild to me. Um, lots of space also towards the end, you can see him accepting. So he's, he's accepting the grief and he's actually processing it. Um, this is the first movie that I've seen where we actually had a character portray like the actual character of grief in, um, in Adrian Brody. Um, yeah. And him like, you know, not, not portraying him like he's down and he's, he's solemn and, and all that sort of stuff, but actually being upbeat and sort of happy and, yep. you know, because grief, grief doesn't know what he's causing. He's just grief. Yeah. He, he sticks around. Yeah. Just. He stays, he's there the whole time. Yeah. Now that you say it, Adrian Brody really played it. Like, um, that guy plays death in that episode of the twilight zone. Where he's, he's almost just like a businessman. Like he's just there to do his job. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. I think it's a transaction. Yeah. Portrayal was almost like grief is a natural part of yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good to see Adrian Brody. Fuck that. Old, like he can look haggard and old sometimes. Yeah. Like in Houdini, he looked really, really old. But in this, I was like, this motherfucker just stepped foot off King Kong. He's <laughs> in <laughs> shape. Is yeah. yeah. Thought Mans was going to do Predators again. Voice <laughs> shape, but still in shape. Yeah. Very good. He is tall, um, yeah? Like mad tall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's lanked he's on like for six, sure. Like 6'2". He's, he's probably, he's not gold. He's not gold. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Goldblum tall, but he's tall. Yeah. Shit. Sure. Tall drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> want to find out who threw me out of a fucking plane. <laughs> All right. Just easy, easy, Rory. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you don't need all of that, mate. Uh, so for me, I thought this movie was about the creative act and how... Necess- like it isn't necessarily the the person that is creating that that has to be the character on screen that didn't mm. have to be um, a person who had a wife that's why Edward Norton and Jason Schwartzman's characters were gay right mm. straight relationship um, and the effort required to actually put on a play and 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 do it just but it was the direction where they they're kind of figuring out he's like I want to I want to do the scene I'm trying to figure it out and they kind of say uh it's like you won't wake up from it because you're in it or something like that ah uh, you can't chanting. wake up if you don't sleep yeah you can't wake up if you don't sleep and it's like the commitment needed is is the requirement to to like full people. Mm. 
just like the government in the in the movie fools them and basically quarantines them and and like says you can't leave and it wasn't an alien <laughs> but then the story gets out you know what i mean I, and i almost feel like it was anti uh quarantine measures from covid mm. I, 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 I kind of i kind of got that feeling like this is this is where sanderson's interpretation his version of the events of the pandemic yeah. it's his his feelings on the pandemic and what yeah. what was done to to people Mm. Yeah, and yeah. and the government's response to the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and also the pe- the people pulling together mm. and holding strong even amid the quarantine. I mean, I could be very very fucking wrong, and I don't mind. But like to me, it just that's what sang out after after like a week of reflection. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, like it makes a lot of sense too, considering like if you notice the like the 3D-esque nature of when they're in the play with all the colors. And then it's almost very 2D when they're outside and it's also black and white. Mm. So portraying the yeah. different emotions with that and how they sort of process that as well with like quarantine yeah. law and um, how like pre-COVID it was very like everyone was in an office five days a week and then it changed after that too. Yeah. This, it, it, it feels like there's so many layers to the movie and mm. even just from the, the mechanics of making a play or a movie or whatever, right? Like the biggest starlet in the movie is Margot Robbie. But mm. They cut her character out of the play because it just didn't make sense at the end. And like, like that's how it sort of is in Hollywood sometimes or, or these big films that get made. That, a big part of, of let's say, uh, fucking Thin Red Line <laughs> was completely changed so that Jim Caviezel was <laughs> the main guy. But he wasn't. Even <laughs> <laughs> though Malik, Malik shot Sean Penn as the star. Yeah. <laughs> and just cut around the man. <laughs> it's wild. And it's like, this is the shit that sort of, that you need to do as a director. And it's like the hard choices. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? The her her portrayal of the the starlet and, and you know all that sort of stuff is all the the glitz and glamour of Hollywood and all that sort of stuff. You can see the contrast between um, the creator who is Edward Norton and her, right? So Edward Norton wasn't in flash suits and all that sort of stuff. He was basically living in a shack when you when you you see his house. Um, yeah. It's a different contrast. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean about the substance was there, but it just didn't gel. Mm. The style was there, but it just it didn't it didn't hook me into the movie. It didn't move along. It, it kind of felt like really plodding, and he was trying to say something. Mm. Like top box though, but I just. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, yeah. to be honest. I think it's a very, this is a very, very niche film. Mm. And I think it would be hard to, to 
to market it to a general like populace of people to watch like this yeah. isn't something that you would be like uh hey babe let's go watch asteroid city <laughs> yeah <laughs> why this shit is coming i thought this shit was coming out on streaming and they were just doing a theatrical run first and then it was going to launch on netflix i thought this was a netflix movie yeah yeah actually I didn't see no Netflix at the start, though. I think they did drop this day and date on Peacock, though, because it was on PVOD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I think this is a very artsy-type film, and this is up for, for people to have this discussion that we're having now, where it's all up to interpretation. So I wouldn't say this is an, like an everyday film where like this isn't a Mission Impossible. This is more like, uh, what's that movie with ScarJo that she did after all the Marvel shit? It's not Jennifer's body, but it was something like that. <laughs> Under the skin? Yeah. Where it's more like niche, artsy type shit to actually watch. Yeah. I still got to watch that movie. They said it was Sorry. one of, they said it was the best movie of the decade or some shit. Yeah. I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> they, they said that shit about that Sarah Paulson flick, that run movie. That wasn't the fucking movie of the decade. <laughs> Songbird of a generation. <laughs> <laughs> movie of the week, baby. <laughs> These people act like they don't see anything that Denise doing. Yeah. Like, uh, what, what's the movie that he did with um, Lois Lane? Arrival. Arrival. That's the movie of the decade. That movie makes, like, just unbelievable sense. Yeah. And it's just unbelievably executed. It is very good. I gotta watch Arrival again. I haven't watched it since it came out. Since it's since it arrived. I'm waiting. Right? <laughs> that, that Blu-ray. Yeah. 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 Very good. But yeah, check out Asteroid City. It's out from the tenth, tenth of August. Go mm. uh, give it a watch there. Yeah. You want to let us know about the old mm. Meg? Hmm. Mm. <laughs> um, nah, so B and I went out to go watch the Meg. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan, if I'm being honest. So the reason why I didn't enjoy it was because it felt like it was perfect for the first 45 minutes. And this is a two-hour movie, mind you. The first 45 minutes of this movie is fucking brilliant. But then they blazed really? through those 45 minutes and turn this from like a, a shark movie into an action movie. Like it legit goes from Jaws for the first 45 to Piranha 3D for the last hour 15. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I watched Piranha 3D recently and Hits was fire. Oh, so it's like a bad version of Piranha 3D. Shark Night? Remember that second Piranha, Piranha. Now, it's funny you say Shark Night. I just watched that recently and enjoyed the shit out of it. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> But this had, like, no merit to it. So it begins with Statham, right? And it was cool. Um, they had, like, a small action sequence, but it still threw me off that Jason Statham's fighting now. Like, he isn't just the shark handler anymore. Sorry. But full disclosure to say, I've never read these books as well. So I don't know, like, maybe he had some, like, you know, experience on the back end. And he's just a bad motherfucker. But for me, like going from the Meg 1, which I watched before we went to go see the Meg 2, to this, it was a completely different character just physicality-wise. 
like dude was like running through shipping containers like jump kicking dudes and like fighting like three dudes at a time with weapons and shit damn yeah dudes why is he fighting guys (laughs) (laughs) but like that was fine for me because they went straight back into it where they're like hey we're gonna go down to the trench and everything was fire i was enjoying the shit out of it they get there, everything's fucking mad. They have this mad sequence with an underwater landslide, which was cool. Mm. And then from there, they go back up to the surface, and yeah, it's just shit. And it was too funny as well. There was too much comedy in this movie. Did it land or did it not land? It didn't land. Like, it was just shtick, but it was bad shtick. And they really made Cliff Curtis out to be a bitch in this movie too. He's Mac anything no but in the books, my friend. Yeah, he's Mac is the man. fucking man. Yeah. You, trust Jonas, me. I would expect it from him. <laughs> Jonas gets completely bitch after the PTSD. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah the books. Bro- yeah. Broken man. Shit. Broken man in books. <laughs> okay. Well, he's drunken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. So that... Rummy. They- <laughs> <laughs> So they don't delve into any of that. It's very much just like, I'm a hardened man. Um, They even have like a really cool segue to like building a relationship with the little girl, uh, Suyin's daughter. But they completely brush past all of that as well. It's very, it's just very fast, those 45 minutes. Like that could have been a cool movie if they just kept it in that 45. If they turned that into 90 minutes, it would have been sick. But then it just turned into like just silly action. Like, it was almost like going from Jurassic Park for the first 45, where it's just gun, and then, like, the last 45 minutes of The Lost World, where it was just, like, kind of eh. The city parts of The Lost World. Yeah. Because you got you got to remember, the last 45 minutes includes that amazing raptor sequence. <laughs> I love that sequence. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's all the city parts. Is, is Bing Bing Fan in here? Or did, uh, is it confirmed that they black bagged her? Bing Bing Fan. The, the lady she, from the first one. Yeah. Oh. Do you want me to spoil it? She gets killed, doesn't she? No, there's a memoriam at the start for her where she passed in 2021. What the fuck? See? They black bagged her. <laughs> yeah. China said no more. Wow. And that like Jing Wu's in here, and I thought, all right, cool. Jing Wu's like, yo, bad motherfucker. But there was no use for him as well. How is Jing Wu gonna gonna what's his face the sharks? <laughs> That's dumb. Can't fight like these sharks hand to hand. I saw him breaking bloody bricks and all that sort of stuff in the exosuits. Like, what for? <laughs> You're not gonna do that to a shark. <laughs> So, Just get swallowed by the shark. <laughs> <laughs> so the f- the focus of the Meg is very in hindsight in this movie, and the focus as the big bad is all human related, and so all they do is fight humans in this movie, but it's just very tasteless. It's like the the high view way to review it. Like they've just yeah. gone away from the scope of the Meg and has turned into something yeah. else. That's fucked. Because the, the plot of the, the second book was basically um, like Jonas gets, is he's helping like this other organization navigate the trench 
mm. and the depths and whatnot. And then they ended up being like some James Bond type shit. And then, but it's all shark action. There's no like taking out the bad guys, <laughs> set pieces and whatnot. It's legit all shark action. And they've got like a baby Meg in captivity. Yeah. So they, um, they do have the baby Meg, but it's like, it's, I want to say it's grown. Like it's a teenager at least cause fucking huge yeah. still. And they have that and it breaks out of captivity um, and follows them into the trench. But then, I remember that in the book, how it's constantly attacking, constantly attacking that wall because it knows that freedom's behind it. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And you just echo through the what's his face, through the research center. <laughs> Missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, the- I was ex- I was excited because it was Ben Wheatley. Yeah, he did like Free Fire, and he was gonna do Tomb Raider. Yeah, you guys might have a different opinion, but for me, I just I hated it after that first forty-five, like the yeah. first thirty sick, and then after that, it was just shit. Damn, was it a longish movie? It yeah, seemed like it was quite long. So we went into the nine thirty session, and we got out at. 1140, 1150. Okay. So it's a, long. Yeah, for a shark movie, it felt long. But then, how long was Jaws? Hour 40. Hour 40, if that. Fuck. I think it, it ends at an hour and 38 minutes. Yeah. You literally have two minutes of credits until they get to the shore. And then it's like, oh, is that a company? And uh, it's finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You could leave. <laughs> made so much money. Yeah, they knew that people don't want to stick around for two hours for a shark movie. It's a shark movie. It's only so many people that can get attacked. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like this was just boring. After that, damn. I was really looking forward to it. I'm kind of glad mm. we didn't get um invited to this one. Like, thanks, WB. But if I was going to see it, it would have been free. (laughs) (laughs) They posted us up in the shittiest cinema as well. It was Cinema 3. Cinema 3. So is that a recommend or fuck this? <laughs> decisions, decisions. I, I recommend the Meg one. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> but now, look, if if you're a shark enjoyer, like go watch this movie. But just don't be surprised if you come out just shitty about it. Damn! I just see your quote on the cover. I recommend the Meg one. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, if that got on the cover, I'd be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, I'll go into to Lioness and Res Dogs. Mm. Lioness, so I fucked up completely. Lioness drops on a Sunday. Oh. Yeah, so it's actually a Saturday show for the States. Mm. Uh, really enjoying this one. Fuck it out. I just didn't think I would. And I thought they were going to add some bullshit in here, but nah. They fucking, like, yeah, they really pitch it with this one. <laughs> they got the money, yeah? Yeah. Um, so Zoe Saldana's character, 
is completely fallible. Like, she fucks up by throwing this chick in. Like, she wants to see what she's made of. So she throws her into this situation where she's got to um, get interrogated and waterboarded and they beat the living shit out of her. But she fucks up because she's still on assignment. So if she gets a call, she's got to go out there with all these bruises and shit. And that's what she does. And then she has to explain it. And just freestyle on the move. You also get this this insight into I don't even know if you can fucking call it insight, but really, like you would expect the CIA to be doing some shifty shit like this. But you get this this these uh, the sequence of the CIA requiring some of her team to pull a job for a cartel because the cartel member can. Uh, can get these five uh, Taliban guys into a house, ID them, and then, then the CIA can move in. During the time. So they, they do like this, this thing where they, they um, set off an EMP. These guys are carrying, um, they're transporting this witness, basically this cartel member, hit the EMP, completely fry the cars, People are just getting fucking killed and whatnot, and they're operating on U.S. soil. Mm, mm, it's mm, crazy, the domestic operations, and part of her team is now included in it. And you get to see Nicole Kidman more. You still haven't seen Morgan Freeman. I don't know where the fuck he's hiding. It's four episodes in, mate. I want my Freeman. <laughs> but you, you, you get to see Nicole Kidman kind of show her teeth a bit more as well. Mm. And Oz wasn't expecting much because... Like, just, just from the performances I've seen so far. Because it looks like Nicole Kidman's wearing a Nicole Kidman mask. Like, it's fucking <laughs> Halloween. Like this. Yeah, the Botox is fucking freezing her up big time. Mm. Um, but she brings the chops, though. She's, like, not taking any shit. She's more the political government sort of suit side of it all mm. and, and organizing it. Um, but, yeah, she's... She's got an interesting relationship with Saldana as well. Because Saldana's mm. kid in the fourth episode gets into a fucking car accident. You find out that she's pregnant. Oh, well. The mad fucking thing about it, right, is that the dad is a surgeon. And he's operating at the time when he gets the news. And like he's like, I can't do this. I need to go. And he's like with the girl, like with his daughter. And he's like, I always said that the things that are going to impact your life the most are cars and sex. Because he finds out she's pregnant, right? By one of his colleagues, which is a fucked up situation to be in. And his daughter's 14. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and now, because your friend's dead, you're going to actually have the chance to learn from your actions. Without me telling you, you're going to get a chance to learn. I was like, this is some fucking parenting 101 right here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like practical application. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is like, it was really, really cool. Like it wasn't him like fretting and stuff like that. Because Zoe Saldana's character couldn't make it back to the hospital and whatnot. Because she's yeah. out on operation. And she has a cool line in there as well. Is like, we're trading our kids' futures for our jobs. I was like, fuck, that's the story, isn't it? All over the world, cut. Want to be in the rat race? There's going to be some fucking collateral damage. That's for fucking sure. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, two solid episodes that came out. I'm really enjoying the show. It's fucking solid. Taylor Sheridan's on point. I think he kind of, he got enticed by the prospect of this show. Mm. And just like Yellowstone can wait. Busy. Did big numbers, man. Mm. This show did massive numbers in the US, yeah. It's the the highest streaming um, show on Paramount Plus so far. You know, with Saldana doing like Avatar and Guardians of the Galaxy and whatnot, I'm so glad that she picked this as the next property to kind of go Mm. into Mm. because she's not fucking around. At the end of this episode, uh, one the team member that is infiltrating uh, these Taliban shell O's. Yeah. She gets she gets roofied basically. She gets mm. her drink spiked, right? And then they, they escort her out. She finds the O, like trying to get into it with this this chick. And she's like, This is what we did to everyone that was a repeated grapist on the border and just stomps us those fucking balls out. Out. It was the wildest shit ever. But I was just like, you fucking deserved it. You don't do hey, that sort of shit. That's how, that's how I think justice should be served for these fucking oaths. Fucking oath. I told you my idea. I want I want to just be able to like line the whole uh, city up and then everybody gets a rock and everyone gets to throw one rock at this person. That's what I want. Because then he doesn't die straight away. The justice. <laughs> the vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, can imagine, you can imagine I was like fucking picking up that rock. I am vengeance. Just yeah. it. Jesus, I am the knight. Jesus. <laughs> All right, a, lot of, a lot of people will miss. Still. It's going to be that one guy that really just backs it up to launch that rock <laughs> and fucking misses. The 50 cent. <laughs> Just flies that way. <laughs> That's wild. But yeah, check it out, man. I'm enjoying it. Uh, Reservation Dogs. Wow. Welcome back. Last season as well. That was a little bit sort of shitty. Method. Yeah, they dropped two. Yeah. So the, the first episode is basically catching you up. Where are they now? Because we've been away for a year, but they were stranded in LA mm. with the, they had just sort of done this, this little ceremony for their O that, that passed away. But um, yeah, it's sort of picking up how they're getting back to, to Oklahoma because their auntie has to come get them. And then it sets up um, Bear and Laura Dannon's. Um, Pass that they're going to take through the season because it's it's Cheese, Willie Jack, Laura Dannon, and uh, and Bear. And out of the four of them, Cheese and Willie Jack, they know what the fuck they're about. They know mm. what they want in life and they're content. But it's Bear and Laura Dannon that always have these questions sort of unanswered and they're always searching and pushing for something else because there's shit that happens in their life that um, they're they they got so much baggage that they're sort of holding on to. Bear also has a chance to to basically set 
the rules of his relationship with his father. He's always been hanging on. His father's just been absent. Like, yeah, I'll check in on you. And then just never turns up. Hmm. So he rocks up at his place in LA while they're there and he's trying to get a lifeline. Can't fucking like, this guy's just not there. He's like doing shows in Oakland and shit. Cause he's a rapper. But then he finds out that the place where he's staying, Hey, his missus is there. Oh wait, he's got two other kids there that he's living with. So what the fuck about me? He's just left me out in Oklahoma. So he gives the chain back that his dad gave him and basically said, for the first time in my life, I can now set the rules on when we, on um, your capacity in my life. So like have a good life and basically fucks him off. Mm. Like, so is uh, getting a bit of cut in him. Mm. <laughs> I like but yeah, uh, his spirit guide as well, Bear's spirit guide also tells him, Basically, you can't get on the bus to get back home. You've got another journey. It fucking sends him like, like he delays him in the toilet. <laughs> so, he, so he misses the bus and then Bear's kind of got to find his own way home, uh, which is like fucking wild because he meets up, you know, the O in, uh, in The Last of Us and he's, he's out hunting and then he comes back home and his missus is sort of being held up by Joel and Ellie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you know, the, that, that the, guy the runs chief. from Heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a fucking mohawk in this. It looks fucking oh, mad. mad though. It's not like a long one. It's like a short one, like really cropped. Yeah. And it's fucking gray. And he's got like this pointy sort of beard. He looks fucking mean. Um, but yeah, he's, he's basically, um, he's kind of guiding him on what he needs to do next to sort of uh, take... Um, Basically, like to trust himself and to to kind of move forward with caution. This is a really mad interaction. Ends up the guy's like a full mental patient. He gets taken by the state and shit. basically leaves Bear with all of his shit. So Bear's got a car and he just like drives out of there. And Alora Dannon finds out that her dad is white and was never told anything about her father, and her father's alive. So now that's oh, wow. the thread that you'll sort of like follow through. Mm. So I was excited to see where they kind of take it. I know that it's going to be that emotional kind of build up and then release. Like that's what the second season was when they mm. finally sort of hit that arc of this is what our friend that um, committed suicide uh, wanted to do before he passed. Yeah. And they, they sort of completed that. So I just got high hopes for this season, man. High hopes. Yeah. Would recommend. <laughs> Nine out of ten. Would recommend. <laughs> Sorry, as soon as I said last of us, I went straight to why are you looking at me like you're still gonna do something though? Come on, Joel, tell him. Sorry, he's got a real sarcastic face. <laughs> Everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking kills me. Fuck that show was good the second time too. Yeah, I'm, uh, I can't wait. I'll bring it. Bone saw is All righty, moving into that anime corner. So I didn't get a chance to watch Bleach. Busy weekend, but Jujutsu Kaisen, the hidden inventory arc, has officially finished now. This is what I've been fucking waiting for. So it was a quick five-minute like breakdown. 
So the reason for this is because with the first season of Jujutsu, they don't really give you much information. It's kind of like a rolling start. So you kind of just, you get a very brief introduction and then it's straight into the world of the, the Jujutsu Academy and their sorcerers. So with this, you get an origin story for the most powerful sorcerer, which is Gojo Satoru, and then his best friend and also the overarching villain of the, the whole series, which is Gito Suguru. Fucking, so both these guys were part of the Jujutsu Academy, right? And they didn't like each other at first. It's very much like a tango and cash where they only really like each other close to the end. Um, and they get given this task. And the mission is that there's this massive barrier that holds all the demons out of Tokyo. But it's ruled by this one guy and this guy needs the star plasma vessel, which is one person that's born every few thousand years to reinvigorate him so he can keep the barrier up. So they get given the task to go find this vessel and they find that it's been abducted by another academy because they don't want the barrier to, to keep going. They want the demons to come through because they're very much like allied with them. Yeah. So Gito yeah, so and Gojo, like they're still fighting, but they know what they have to do. And they, they find the two guys that are holding this lady captive. Um, and they end up fucking these guys up. But you find out that these guys were just a diversion because the main guy who's calling all the shots um, is this other guy, Toji Megumi. And this guy is a fucking machine. So his whole thing was that he used to be a sorcerer, but now he's given up what they call the heavenly pact, where you lose all of your cursed energy or your mana, basically. Um, but you gain like increased speed, strength, but for some reason with Toji, he can still see cursed energy and he can still control this demon that he has around his neck that holds all of his inventory as well. So he's got swords in there and everything. But the dude is just naturally gifted like that. So his whole overarching plan is that he's still going to get the star plasma vessel, but he's going to do it by wearing Gojo down. Because with this arc, you learn that Gojo doesn't have an infinite power supply. And it's all based on his eyes because he's got these like, like Daniel Craig's eyes have it like that ice blue <laughs> piercing. <laughs> and um, he has this force field around us. Anything that gets thrown at him, he can just stop because he can control gravity. And he's got powers where he can push, he can pull and he can put them together and just fucking destroy just whole areas and blocks and shit. But Gojo is still very like... Um, like, he's still learning all that shit. And so Toji was like, okay, I'm going to wear him down. I'm just going to keep throwing shit at him. It's like Nightfall with Bane, basically. Mm. And finally, you know, it's been six days. Gojo hasn't slept in six days. He doesn't show that he's tired. And they finally get to the academy to go bring this girl in. And he's there waiting. And he fucking plunges this knife all the way through Gojo. And he's all the way fucked up because he just didn't know because he turned off everything. So he was like, I'm home now. I'm safe. Yeah. And then this massive fucking fight begins with Gojo and Toji. So Gojo's still going and Toji, you see him bouncing off these trees at superhuman speed. And he's just trying to like get to him. And finally, like fucking Gojo hits him and he's like, all right, cool. It's done. It was a copy. And you see him just stab him again through the neck. And Gojo's just dead, bleeding out. 
And at the same time, Gito and the Star Plasma Vessel have gone into the Academy down the elevator to where like, it's almost like the world trees there, but that's this guy that holds the barrier. And he's like, Gito then even has like this idea of, well, you can go and we can make sure that everything is safe now, or you can live your life and go back to your friends. That's what he's saying to this girl. And she's like, you know what? I want to go back to my friends. I don't want to lose them right now. And then she gets shot through the fucking head. Toji shoots this chick, man. Damn. And then Gito and Toji get into it. And this is where they have that massive fight because they've got like this coliseum of just like rooms. And Gito's power is that he consumes demons and then he can recast them as his own. But he's got like just, it's not something that's learned. It's something that was born in him. And he fucking starts launching all these demons at this guy. And it's in this Coliseum and they break down the walls and this thing is just falling as they're still fighting as well. It looks fucking cool. That's a fucking mad set piece. <laughs> yeah. I like this. And it finally crashes and Gita's like, all right, cool. He must be dead because I can't sense anything. And that's when fucking Toji fucks him up as well. He doesn't kill him because he's scared that if he kills Gita, all the demons he's consumed is just going to take over. So he just leaves him. And he's like immobilized. So his job's done and he gets out and he goes back to collect his payment for the job he's done. And as he's leaving, fucking Gojo's out the front just waiting for him. So in that time where Gojo's just bleeding out, he remembered there's a reverse curse technique where you can regenerate yourself. And he took all that time and energy just to do that. And now he's just fucking mad. <laughs> like he's angry. But it's like you do the the ninja assassin? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Because you see him and he's bleeding out and then the blood just stops and it starts floating. And then like that's where he shows up again. But it's mad because the set piece that it's like um they're on like these white tiles leading up to this building with all those like um those white like greek pillars and toji runs at him jumping off the pillars and shit trying to get to him and gojo just fucking decimates this guy everything he tries like he just catches him it's like the flash with superman in justice league how he just sees him like he's not fast enough anymore yeah. and he fucking drops this guy and he finally he mixes two of his powers together and he launches it at him and it blows a hole through this guy and then he's just like, um, he knows he's going to die. Toji knows he's dead. And he's talking to Gojo and he's like, look, I've got a son and he's more than likely going to be a sorcerer. So understand that you hate me, but don't hate him. And if you can teach him as best you can. And so Gojo was like, yeah, right. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I haven't got anything else to do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And then, um, although the girl's dead, they still deliver her. And you find out that whenever a, a star plasma vessel dies, another one is either still out there or one gets born at the same time as well of the death of another one. Um, and Gojo's carrying this, this girl through this like crowd of people that support the destruction of the barrier. And they're all clapping and they're all happy. And Gito's there as well. And Gojo says to him, if you want right now, I can kill everyone in this room and it will be easy and I won't care. 
and Gito's the one to call him off and it was like, don't do it. You know, there's something bigger out there that we need to worry about. Delivers this girl, leaves. And then like with Gojo becoming more and more powerful, Gito starts feeling inferior. And he's wondering, well, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, I had Gojo, we've turned into friends and now he's off doing all these high rank missions without me. And I'm just here. And then there's a little bird in his fucking ear, which was another sorcerer there. She was like, well, there's two options here. You could either become an ally and stay here and just do whatever you need to do, or you can be the one to take down the barrier now. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Because the whole solution for that is very much like uh, Samuel Jackson in Kingsman, where if you kill half the population, the world is going to thrive. So that's his whole idea is that I just want sorcerers. I don't want normal human beings. So we're going to kill everyone who isn't a sorcerer. And then we will thrive as a population ruling the world. And he fucking, he leaves and he doesn't do anything too drastic. People start finding out that he's just chosen to side like that. And Gojo snaps and fucking finds him. And he's like, why the fuck are you doing this? You know, we don't need to like be enemies. We can just sort this out right now. And Gito's like, I've made my made up my mind. This is what I'm going to do. And he just leaves. Doesn't try to kill him. Nothing. And Gojo just goes back to the Academy and then it flashes back to the current time now. And it's almost like he was daydreaming about all the shit and fucking all these new students, the current characters of the season one of Jujutsu come with that, come back. Yeah. And that's where, that's where the arc ends. But Shit. this was fucking incredible. <laughs> How like, long was that episode? So all up, that episode was only 24 minutes, but that was the whole five Jesus. episode arc explained, like, all together. Ah, uh, okay, shit. So just a heads up as well, the next two episodes are going to be recaps of the first season. So I probably won't speak on it for the next two weeks, but then it goes back to normal programming after that. Oh, nice. Yeah, all good. Jesus. But like overall, like that's why I was just giving very high level shit throughout the weeks because I knew this was going to end really soon mm. and all up it would just like, it paints the perfect fucking story of like two people who hate each other become friends and then they become enemies again. Yeah. It's fucking cool, that's crazy. man. That O. Gojo? Yeah. Gojo? The, the, the one that turns into the bad O. Ah, Gito, yeah. Gito. Yeah. His plan is almost Voldemort by way of Thanos. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's the anime corner. Beautiful. That's a wrap for this week. uh, For, well, for now. But we will be back Tuesday morning with our thoughts on Gran Turismo. Uh, see you all then. And uh, yeah, love yourself, love movies. Vape more, smoke less, and wash your ass. I'll be back. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Hold on to your butts.